Professor Bryn Brown's research shows that vulnerability fosters good emotional and mental health. It is a sign of courage. We become more resilient and brave when we embrace who we truly are and what we are feeling. The Vulnerable Scientist Podcast is a space for scientists to tell their honest and authentic stories. I am your host, Saranya Kerry, who happens to be a scientist, informal science communicator, and I help scientists create personal websites. If you want to support this show, go to www.patreon.com slash the vulnerable scientist. You can also follow this podcast on all social media platforms at TV Scientist Pod. Hi there. Welcome to the Vulnerable Scientist Podcast. This is just another episode that has been repurposed from the Science Media Interviews. The guest is Lydia Kiso, and I'm excited about this podcast because this is someone um, who was in the same space um, that I was before she moved to UK and I think she's coming back to finish her master's uh, project. So listen in and enjoy and I hope you get something from it. My name is Lydia. Um, currently I'm a student, a master's student at the University of Liverpool uh, doing master's of public health and under the Wellcome Trust uh, scholarship. So um Currently, I'm a full-time student, so that's it. Um, so I have a background in biotechnology. I, I heard Valerie say that you are a recent graduate in science, so yeah, um, that's where my background is, and I'm happy to speak to you, was all the three of you. So Sarah mentioned this to me, and I find it quite an interesting thing just to tell someone else that there is hope in science, you know, and you in career, and if not, then there is hope as elsewhere. Yeah, so um, I appreciate and even your time and even the opportunity to interview me other than the small um, delay that happened. I hope i um, forgiven for that. So back to my background where I was born, I'm a Kenyan by origin, Kenya, so I was born in Kitui County. In that's uh, um, my parents at that time they used to work in Kitui County, so um, we used to stay in Kitui Town where I was born and raised up for my early uh, ages until I went to primary school, where we reverted back to our grand uh, parents' home. And then I studied in a a primary school called Maranatha School, Maranatha Academy School, uh, where I finished in 2009. Yeah. And then I joined high school, Chandoni Girls, where I, uh, between that uh, 2010 and 2013. Then from that, I joined Jomo Kenyatta University, where I did my Bachelor of Science in Biotechnology. That is between 2014 and 2018 where I graduated. After that, I interned with Camry for one year on Ilri at the same time. And then from that, um, I worked as a, as a research assistant for like uh, one year. And then I became a graduate fellow for another year. Then I joined my master's. So that's basically my history. So um, I don't know if that answers everything about my introduction and background it does uh we'll get into it more as we progress uh, for example in the next question uh, where did the science interest really develop how did it start okay thank you for that question so um i honestly as i was growing i used to to hear people say or even watch um reports by scientists all over the world, scientists by the World Health Organization, uh, giving updates on what is really happening in the world and what is required in the medicine world, in the in many other fields of uh, science. So I used to hear about scientists, but honestly, this is not one of a thing. And the very known 
professions in the back in the villages and where we grew up because people used to tell you study hard so that you may become a lawyer study hard so that you may become a doctor study hard or work hard so that you may be a nurse a medic or so basically no one uh these were unpopular unpopular this was unpopular field so I never grew up saying that I want to become a scientist. <laughs> Funny enough, I just wanted to become a, a doctor. Even in high school, I was saying that I needed to become a um, neurosurgeon. <laughs> this kind of students, this kinds of kids who are like, when I grow up, I want to become a, a neurosurgeon. Yes, that was me. But unfortunately, the grades did not give me that. Or rather, should I say the grades already take the, the courses? I'm the... I'm not a job student, but I'm a co-sip student, if you understand that, what that means. So I was, um, I got uh, the course biotechnology through co So I really didn't know what it was, but the, how I came to apply for it, it's through um, one of my friends, where which family friends, which I knew while growing up, Uh, was uh, not really a doctor but she was working in a medical laboratory so they had not done biochemistry and then I was like huh, biochemistry, biotechnology could be quite a thing so then if I miss nothing in med then I can go for this which I I went for and got it at uh, University of Jaquat that is at, uh, at Jaquat so Science, really, I didn't know what it is. Like, I can't tell you it was a particular interest while growing up, but I came to like it when I joined the course by technology. So, um, as we learned new things and new stuff and everything, it became interesting all of a sudden. And I I loved it eventually. And I, uh, when I joined Camry, particularly, I did research in antimicrobial resistance. Uh, which triggered further interest in 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 science and also interacting with people uh, senior people in science was just such an amused me it was just such a great thing and I admired them so that's where science came in and addressing the challenges in the public health in particular you know in, in all fairness we as we were kids we all wanted to be pilots and and doctors so we hope telling this story <laughs> will change that narrative because it will give scientists exposure and possibly one day children will start saying I want to be a scientist <laughs> <laughs> true I hope so <laughs> yeah so uh, I'd like you to expand just a bit more on that transition from you know uh undergraduate to postgraduate and you know getting that internship there's usually this roadblock that graduates experience after undergraduate you know just moving from there is usually a, it's a big hurdle so how did you maneuver I agree with you it's quite a challenge when you are there because you don't know yes you're studying the degree even if it's the engineering degree that everyone wants or the the med Um, degree that everyone uh, wants to do there is that challenge the transition challenge so honestly one thing and I, I, I always tell people is that I am quite a religious person and a Christian so I believe in God and I believe that we don't control our lives that it's God who, who does it so and as um you just need to ask what you need from him and he's faithful enough and he knows what you deserve more than you do so at that time um honestly in my power i didn't know what was or what was or, or what was holding for my life and science and everything but this one lecturer uh who was teaching us uh certain units called molecular techniques is I don't know if it's okay to mention names but is um a senior researcher at Kemri so he used to do part-time lecturing in JQ where um we came to interact and then 
as a result, I I asked him for an attachment opportunity, and he told me, "Yeah, you can apply," and then through Camry, and then uh, you can get attached. Well, I knew he told us clearly that Camry doesn't pay for attachments. We actually did pay for attachments, so it's quite it was quite a sacrifice. Imagine whereby you're in Nairobi, and then you need a rent, you need food. So the parents had to fund me for to, to undertake that attachment. So I would say that set really quite a good um, base for me to start off. But before that, in second year, I can say um, after my when I joined campus, uh, we used to have the long holiday. So after my first year for the long holiday, I went and taught in my uh, the school the school that time. I was I was schooling in, and and pro, I switched between two schools. So I taught biology, chemistry, and math. You know, those are uh, untrained teachers, the BPA employed or BOM employed teachers. So I was one of them. I did teaching for that one holiday, but the following holiday I was out just to see what happens in the field that I am in. So before Camry, I had I didn't mention this. I worked at uh, Caldro the previously known Kari, Kari at Katumani Machakos. So I just went there, dropped in my attachment letters. I told them I'm willing to work for anything in without pay. And I'll just I'll just sort myself out. So they agreed to give me an opportunity. At that point I didn't pay anything to Caro, but I worked for free. So um I worked in two departments, biotechnology um, for one project that was working towards an, a, a GMO maze, it was called the Wemba Maze Project, and another one that was working towards the fructose-free um, foods that was under the, if you've heard about the IITA organization. So it was, it had labs in the Cardro Machakos. So I worked under that, and it was intense. So we used to you see, sometimes attachments in Kenyan organizations are relaxed. Like you, you get yourself reporting to work at nine, getting out of there by four, and really doing a lot of nothing. But there, trust you me, at IITA labs in Harrow, uh, it was quite intense. That's where I, I knew I came, I familiarized myself with really science at work and not just books. So from that, now, when I approached this hero in my the mandatory attachment, is it in that year? Yes, um, he gave me, he gave us not me just alone, but um, several of my classmates whom we attended the attachment at his lab, particularly the molecular biology lab in CMR Camry. So that's where we did a lot of work in regards with AMR, and because that was like um, we asked him to give us projects for our undergrad, which he did because he had a student doing master's. So he sort of segmented the, the project to different sections that the students, undergrad students, took up the different sections towards the master student. So like the way master student has one big goal, or maybe a PhD student has one larger goal, and then other, the different objectives uh, were divided among us. So that's how we got to do our own project. So we went to the fields, collected samples and everything. That was sewage and flood samples. And then we analyzed from resistance. And that's how we got their first publication, co-author as co-authors, uh, with that student who was our master's student. So that network, the network that came with uh, approaching a lecturer, asking for an opportunity, and then getting that's what created really a background for my science. And then after I graduated, now that I had worked out for my project with this person, he recommended me to one of um, the bosses at Hillary who was looking for interns. And that's how I got my opportunity at, at Hillary as an intern, which I worked for one year. After one year, I became a research assistant. Yeah. Can you talk more about uh, mentorship because I think there's an opportunity for mentors to help bridge that gap between, you know, uh, somebody being a graduate and somebody actually doing something like research or working. So what has been the impact of mentors in your 
career so far? Thank you for that question, Dennis. So, um, mentorship is, as you say, it's something very important to bridge uh, that gap between um, being a student and transitioning to the real research world. So, having a good mentor, and a mentor is not just someone whom you look up to and what they are doing. Yeah, of course, there is that um, aspect where you, you get to see this person as excelled in this particular field and could be a good person. But a mentor to me is someone who can hold you through. Not just um, not just whom you look up to and then they guide you. Uh, okay, not just looking up to that person. It's just someone who, who guides you and holds you through and they are available. Whenever you get your mobile phone to call them, they are available. Whenever you text them on WhatsApp, even they not promptly, so promptly because maybe they are busy, but they are available and they are ready to respond to that. So I honestly uh, think that's what I mean. Mentor is, and they are very important because in my case, when I interacted with this lecturer of mine who was quite interested in our performance and made him our mentor or my mentor, um, if it wasn't uh, for his network, Okay, mentorship and network are, they go together because if you want someone to be your mentor, they are someone who can connect also to other networks that can also help you. And also that person should be in your network. So one important thing is creation of network and then mentorship. So um, this person, uh, almost mentioned name. So this um mentor of mine or lecturer of mine uh, took us through the project and mentored through the pro- us through the project. And then we went back to campus and then we graduated. The same mentor took us through a recommendation. He recommended us to Ilri. You see, that's where now like introducing us to other networks. So as much as we were not paying it initially, um, at Camry, whatever I gained through the mentorship was much more than money and cash and everything. So this guy was in a position to recommend us, but again, when you're when you're recommended, also you have to give to show what you bring. You can bring onto the table because I bring. I believe that um, if I can tell someone so and so is okay, can work for you. I've worked with him them then you also should be in a position to defend that and show actually you're good at this and you can deliver. So we were called for an interview and yeah, even together with the recommendation, we had to like prove uh, uh, his words right, employer. And so, yeah, honestly, if, I don't know if I've exhausted about the mentorship roles, but that was the mentor who who gave a basement for my science, um, for my scientific research field. But now at Ilri, I also went further to create more networks and mentors. So um, yeah, it's important to have maybe one or two mentors, but I honestly think I have more than that. So because you find you need a mentor in this particular thing, this particular thing and that. So. And also depending on the availabilities. So at Ilri, I also um, had to meet, I had to um, create a room for new mentors and approached them. My immediate supervisor at Ilri, she was, she was a she, she was a post, she's a postdoc there. So um, she was very open and she was a lady who could listen to, and not just listen to you, you could sit with them off work, off um anything with regards to work and just tell each other your stories which was just so comfortable like um this person made me comfortable around them and i also uh opened up to them in regards or uh, to other things not just profession so when it came to the time of applying for this scholarship, I also opened up to them and told them, you know, um, I think I feel I need to apply for this opportunity, but I feel I'm not okay with it. I'm not confident. She encouraged me. She was like, we're going to write recommendations and reference letters to you. 
we're going to apply for this thing show me through the process and even if i called her i remember at some point she was at office by 6 a.m just to do my reference so honestly mentors are very important people in our lives as parents Uh, and I think from from your story you can really see how crucial mentorship was to getting you to you know that place where we are, we can actually start recommending you as a mentor yourself. Uh but before we get to that can we can we talk about some of the research that you have done and the some of the interesting results that you got from the research? Thank you Dennis, yes, I can be a mentor. I don't know if I'm equipped <laughs> enough. but um if someone can refer you to someone else then i can be a mentor anyway <laughs> so um i don't know if you're asking about my research right from my undergrad or is it yes, what i'm doing currently uh you can just start from undergrad to how you trans- transitioned to postgrad and to where you are right now okay So basically my research uh other than um the initial attachment that I told you I just got introduced to molecular technique skills and everything at Cairo um which was important because into uh it was it, it played a good role in in my basis and foundation I I I I think that my major or intense uh background started when I was in Kemri because that's where I got to know how to carry on a project right from scratch starting from doing uh setting on um uh, I mean planning on how the project is going to be carried out to sample collections I mean that's the the field work to lab work to data analysis and to reporting and then eventually the publication so <coughs> I'll give detailed information on this because this is where I feel because much here essential. So I I I give I did um MR MR antimicrobial resistance in um bacteria enterobacteria if you if I don't know if there is a microbiologist here but enterobacteria are just gram negative bacteria um that you can easily find in the environment and also they include the commensal bacteria yes. uh so um i did uh i studied or i compared the phenotypes and genotypes of uh, antimicrobial resistant enterobacteria in sewage and sludge in kibera in formal settlement so that was basically the topic of my research work and uh what i looked at is at the um resistant against 16 the 16 there are 16 different antimicrobials including penicillin first and second cephalosporins third and fourth generation cephalosporins and some carbapenins so um generally the interesting part of it is that resistance was very high because Uh, I was looking at the idea whereby sewage and sludge includes every every trash that a human being can produce right so um with every trash and human beings consuming a lot of antibiotics not just human beings but animals and um uh the agricultural sector using a lot of drugs and antibiotics everything is been thrown into the environment so taking the view the one health approach view considering animal human and um environment you could see the interaction it was interesting for me to see how how um at the interaction of these three we could find amr so um by looking at the sewage uh, that collected uh, every bit of these three uh the environment and so also human and also um animal even though this could not be attributed to a particular thing but now that it's in the environment it's like a, a risk factor it's a risk for for human and animals and now the um in gen- genomics we say that 
uh, the genes can can hope from one organism to another through plasmids. So um, the genes that code for or encode for resistance, for instance, if they are found in one bacteria in that one in, in, in particular environment, they could move from one bacteria to another and then that bacteria can be pathogenic and then when it's treated, it can fail to work. That's basically what um, the study assumed. So um, the interesting fact is that the high rates of resistance in the environment, um, uh, the data that you formulated on that, it's, well, um, it's very important to inform the policies and everything and all the efforts and stakeholders towards uh, maybe frameworks and programs that uh, can um, that seek to address this AMR issue because soon it's going to be a pandemic like the COVID-19. So we do, if we don't want this, then everything uh, needs to be strategically planned and solved because uh, for you to solve a problem, you must understand the problem. So my main work was just to obtain the data and try and show people, look, we have these levels of uh, AMR in the environment, particularly in sewage and sludge, which also has um, some origins from the animals and human. So from that, producing the data, uh, I'm sure it's going to play a role in the surveillance of AMR in Africa where data is not enough. And then in the long run, we are going to have solutions and decisions made on the basis of that data. So that's my undergrad, everything. From that, I did, um, when I joined uh, ILRI for my internship, I did MR again in zoonotic diseases. Zoonoses are a kind of diseases that um, can be transferred between from animals to human. So um, what basically I was doing is uh, studying or doing, uh, I was assisting in the lab for research assistant. So basically we were doing as part of the larger project of zoonosis surveillance in Africa and the associated AMR. What we are doing is uh, also looking at them. Well, what we targeted, uh, is it an, a 14 zone, not different, 14 or 12 thereabouts, different zoonosis. Uh, so some of them we did uh, just study of their prevalence, positive cases, negative cases by serology work in the lab, including ELISAs and what have you. Then uh, such as the RBL, that is Rift Valley fever, Q fever, uh, Coxiella brunetti, that is, and um, cystosarcosis. So we did a number of uh, diseases for the positive zero for, for the zero prevalence that is on further on to that that we did um amr for for bacteria e coli salmonella staphylococcus aureus and um what is this another one um and campy campylobacter so uh for this particular four we tested the 16 drugs again yeah, include, inclusive of penicillins, first and second uh, generation cephalosporins, garden force cephalosporins, and, and cabapenem. So uh, this is what we, 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 we looked at for the, that's the ESBLs. And further, these were characterized, characterized uh, genotypically by sequencing, yeah, and the, the the project is, I think um, it ended last early this year. Not early this year, actually. Um, it's like um, around mid this year. That's when the the, the project did um, end. So the findings of this study, because it was a huge um, a, a huge study covering most areas in particularly in Western Kenya, that's where the samples were collected from. Um, the results are still being analyzed. So um, the interesting part is that there was still a high resistance noted in particularly that all the cephalosporins and penicillin. But for the cabapenin, the resistance rate was quite low and coalescence also. The resistance rate was quite low, but the research in, research in that particular area is also required to, 
check or to prevent it going further because people are still using antibiotics in animals, in humans, and what have you. So um, after that, I did propose write a proposal to Welcome Trust. Now that I, ha- I was grounded in AMR and particularly zoonosis, so my proposal was to I proposed to study antimicrobial resistance and aerobacteria again, but in this case, Klebsiella and E. coli, uh, which are commensal, um, at the in dairy cattle. So you see, like dairy cattle. Uh, produce milk that is depended by as food by most population, if not all, the largest population in Kenya and uh, in most countries. So I aim I aimed at looking uh, uh, particularly what the the resistant uh, how these uh, or the resistant rates in in Terobacris, in E. coli and particular. Um, sources, that is the milk, the dairy cattle, and also look at the antimicrobial usage by farmers who do this, uh, or who keep dairy cattle. So, and look at the relationship between how much the drugs are used and how much the resistance is. So that was like, that's what, what, what I proposed. And then I got a grant with the Welcome Trust for the International Master's Fellowship to do the re- research, but that required me first to go and do a, a taught master's, which currently I am on uh, doing in public health. And from that, I'll go back to Italy for 18 months carry out the study. Over. Thank you for, yeah, thank you for the the detailed uh, exposition. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, the path of a scientist is it's not easy it has its challenges so how did you manage that you know work life balance and just managing a mental health because that's also another issue that is affecting a lot of young people what are some tips that you can give us on you know how it made sure you didn't succumb to the pressure mental health did you ask yeah. did you mention yes mental health well, i don't know um Honestly, I think um, now that I'm doing public health, currently I view um, mental health differently from what I used to view uh, back then, probably because I didn't understand what it is, um, which now I think I think I understand it better than before. So um, mental health, I think, is some, something that has been overlooked in the younger particularly generation well i think also it affects the older people but with self-realization i think the younger generation or the current generation are more vulnerable to mental health issues so um and and the fact that people don't believe that uh well i know the psychiatrists are there and psychologists but not so many people that believe that mental health is real but it's quite easy down many people. So in terms of studies and balancing um, science in the science field and mental health, I would say so many factors contribute to this. And so, um, for instance, one, if you're a student performance, because people expect high of you, so performance is one thing that can make you get um, feel like you're not meeting their uh, the standards of what people expect of you in the in this field. Secondly, also the performance in terms of uh, if you you don't know if you're going to qualify well in this field, you don't know if you're going to get opportunities, and also sometimes you don't know if you perform well, you will get the opportunities. Not even performing well, or you just doing successfully your your course, if you you will get an opportunity to work. So that's another level of issue related to mental health and the other thing I think now is in the real field of science. Science is just, uh, I, from my point of view, I don't know if everyone feels like this, but um, I believe science has a lot of work in it because it's not um, a fact like medicine where you know when we give uh, 
azithromycin to someone who has this infection, they will be okay. And that's it. SANS is not, not that. SANS is something that you try. It's not, is it try and error? I could, I can, I don't know if that's the right term, but SANS, you have to keep trying and keep trying. And you know, and it doesn't have to work for the first or the second or even the third time. It can work for the hundredth time. And even something that you you initiated, like I am doing AMR, I might not maybe in a hundred years that, or maybe in 50 years, that's when we are going to get the real solution for AMR. I don't know. Other than the preventive measures of telling people, hey, um, AMR is real. Hey, um, minimize the use of antibiotics. Hey, the policies can be in place to prevent, to uh, control the prescription of antibiotics. Other than the preventive measures, probably a solution for the AMR or maybe getting new drugs. Some of them might be developed way later when I'm very old and maybe not in this world. So honestly, science is something that when you start, maybe you don't have to get a solution at that point. So that can be another edit in source of mental health. Writing proposals for grant funders of another ethic. You don't know it's going through. You, you don't know if you did it the right way. So honestly, it's true that mental health. We are a scientist vulnerable to this. But one good thing is that psychiatrists are in place to help people. But other than that, then we can also try and balance it ourselves. Because um, by the time you get to visit a psychiatrist, then it means you're at the terrible end where you, you have to like you're a sick person who needs a critically sick person who needs a critical attention. So you don't want to get there. So the only way you can do this uh, is by trying and balancing out life because life is not just science. Life is you. Life is has a lot of things of yourself because you need to be a social being as well. Most scientists are not I don't I don't know how how this is real, but Honestly, I don't think not so many scientists who get time to be enough or full social beings. Like, they don't have time for that because they feel a lot is on your, on their plate and and that is the priority because that's what brings food on their table. So it's much understandable, but if you can try and balance so your social life, family, check out on your family, um, go out, leave all the desk work, leave all the lab work, leave all the stress on looking for a job just get yourself rest and go have fun that's one thing i think really helped because um putting yourself in a um, situation where you literally don't remember anything in fans as in not you don't remember but not because you don't mind about science but it's because you don't have to be there all the time you you have other parts of of life and I say life is like a 360 degree circle that has different segments of life. There is also spiritual life, there is also um, economical life that um, maybe it's related to what you're earning through the fans. There is also the now the social life. So honestly, there is so much to to balance throughout the life. So that's what I think. Get yourself busy doing something else if, if you can. Thank you. So now that you're on the other side, if we could say so, uh, what opportunities can you see for people who are getting into science, you know, undergraduate and someone even in high school is thinking about getting into science? What are some opportunities that, what are some of these opportunities that maybe you have already seen or you can see developing and you'd like them to know so that, you know, people can have some hope even as they struggle with the academics. You mean opportunities in terms of um, the field? Oh, what do you mean? Like uh, the field where, where, where or the jobs that people can look for and what do you mean in terms of opportunities? Yeah, I'm talking about you know the, the the fields they can venture into. Are there some new fields? Are there research opportunities and even jobs? But just basically in science, what people can do once they they have finished their undergraduates. 
um, it depends on science on on this what what kind of science are you are you really venturing or are you studying because i believe if you're doing something like um, the biological sciences then that calls for you to do as real scientific research if you're doing science in the data well biostatistics and such um that calls you into the data analysis analytic research field that is so i honestly feel that um and all this i mean you can always like um like hi personally the the background I, i have in biotechnology i had the opportunity to either go to the pharmaceutical biopharma that is the pharmaceutical production world to the gmo production world i mean research world um now i came into the animal and human research biomedical research so um other than just the 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 yeah one opportunity is research um the research organizations in kenya like you can go actually i think scientists are people who have uh, most opportunities when it comes to research because you can go to whatever field you feel like you can go to animal you can go to you you can switch between plants animal um human environment and all that data and all that so um kefis they are the government organizations in kenya so we have uh kefis we have karo we have kemri we have um killed is it killed or what is it called yeah um the industrial one what is what is it security i don't know we have a number of um, research organizations that can do carefree all those research organizations you can just start by looking for an attachment tell them you know you're going to work you, you just want experience you just want internship you can pay for the attachment at it and trust you me that will pay back you, you not necessarily need money at that time to 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 i mean they you, you don't need them to compensate to you but this there that opportunity might create another opportunity in future so you can just try and see if you can get another source of survival and you don't have to live like um like a princess or a prince or a king or a queen you can just live in the simplest life ever and then bearing in mind that can bear good fruits in future because you don't have uh like uh it's not it's not like a guarantee that you if you don't you're going to land a job immediately you graduate if you don't have networks or yeah you can just be lucky enough and apply uh to these places when you're graduated with your first class or second upper and land a good job maybe that's luck and god but um try and work towards that create network and then cling on to someone who can help you if you find them but when you 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 don't have to necessarily uh find a lecturer and cling on to them that i did you can just go walk into an office of that research organization there are the ngos now when is it i don't illri is it anymore there is illri there is um isipe there is uh is it free or ikristat there are a number of research organizations walking tell them or if like everywhere you're not allowed to walk in just um search online how you can apply for the internship apply for as many as you can and then you start from there and, and then something good will come out of that in terms of uh opportunities as you you maybe maybe as you proceed as a scientist i would say writing grants and proposals is one very important skill that one will have because like the welcome trust I had to write a research proposal in order for me to get a scholarship not only that but when you're you're looking for opportunities like the scholarship opportunities like the commonwealth like you have to show them that you really have an idea and one thing that i learned is that they really value someone who has an idea of what they they are going to do. you don't just tell them that hey give me a masters opportunity hey opportunity hey um 
I don't know what I want to do. I'll figure out later, but give me a master's opportunity. While someone else says, hey, I need to check out this thing, one, two, three. Can I get an, a master's opportunity? Um, this is how the funders are going to view you differently because this person knows what they want to do, what they want to address, but this other person's like, yeah, give me this opportunity, I can figure out later what I can do with this money. Yeah, so that's one thing that if you're really up to being a scholar, doing your, when you do your bachelor's and even master's, you might all just be at the at the lab level and you want, you don't want to be at the lab level doing your research all your life. And honestly, that's not going to pay you the use and loads of money that scientists are getting out here. So you want to get out there and uh, make statements, scientific statements that influence the world policies and everything that happens around the science and addressing challenges all over the world. So for you to be that, you have to be a scholar, finish your PhD, become a postdoc, then become a scientist. If you stop at the master's level like where I am, yeah, we are going to be, we say kandayamukono. I don't know if you all get what I mean. You're going to be um, to a mkono, like you'll be working in the laboratory. Yeah, Your boss comes in and tells you, I want results. Just yes, going to produce results and get your, your some small penny there and then go and eat it, sleep, wake up and that's going to be the routine. So I encourage everyone to further their studies so that they can be good people and important people in this field. Have you considered doing any mentorship so far? Honestly, <clears throat> honestly, doing mentorship is like uh, a matter of heart. Uh, and um, I, I believe that God's, God gives you the grace to do so because for you, it's like a diagnosis and giving um, a medication. Or rather, it's like a vaccination, a vaccine that prevents you from falling into a trap. And as we all say that doctors are not just professions, but are, it's a call to be a doctor. Same case, being a mentor, it's not very easy because you need to hold to know that someone's life, career life is into your, maybe not entirely into your hands, but you are responsible to guide them and show them the way or the pathway through it all. And if they fail, then you, you're going to be guilty and you're going to be responsible and blamed for that. So not just because anyone will ask you why are this and that reached out to you and you've not helped them or you're not guided them, but because you're self-conscious, as I say, if you're called into that, will haunt you and will ask you, will be like, uh, why are you not helping this person? So honestly, if I'm in a position to, if I get a, an opportunity to, I really try as much as to help what I can. I don't know if I'm okay to be a mentor fully because maybe I'm limited by my small education, my small experience. Probably when I I I, I get myself, I'm not equipped enough to be a mentor, but that's um, the small kids there in primary, in high school. I can tell them, yeah, you can prioritize studies at the moment, and then I can try and mentor them. But um, for people who are well-versed, for people who are the um, advanced levels, maybe I'm not very well equipped to do so. Maybe, I don't know, if one finds it okay, then that's fine, I can do it. So what does the future hold for you? Uh, what are you aiming at? Maybe in the next five years or something like that. I particularly la- like the, the first section of your question. What does the future hold to me? <laughs> That's interesting. I don't know what the future holds for me because um, as I said once again, I'm a Christian and a very strong Christian. So I believe he who started it's everything in us as the end in himself. That's God. So he's the author and finisher. And 
what you have started is going to finish so honestly i can't tell you i only have um, we all live because of hope even if you're not a christian hope is something that can keep you going and whatever you can call the um anything that you call that any belief that you have in trust you me there is hope in, in it so i have i have just hope that my my future is going to be successful and i'm going probably um to achieve the aims or uh and um targets that i have for my for my career for instance because i hope to be a scientist in future and not just a scientist who, who writes grants and gets who writes proposals and gets funds but a scientist who can say who can give voice who can voice the policies that govern the world in terms of solving problems around health now that I'm in health research that is biomedical and health research so i believe that, that one day i i'll sit on a round table with people or important key people in this world to make decisions so we are almost finishing um have you had any unique experiences as a woman in science as a woman in science yes yeah of course yes i've had what i've, I've had so many experiences what what Okay. I don't know what specifically you mean but as a a woman in science one thing I know is that I'm not being a feminist but um women are have been rare and not so many in science but lately our number is increasing in science simply because uh, maybe science was seen as a tough thing for the women mostly should be could was appropriate for the men and such a thing and maybe according to data it shows that women in science are not paid as much as men in science so that's one another one challenge but uh with a trend recently i think um, that's been overcome like we're going to overcome that and everyone is going to voice uh policies and everything in the world in terms of science and like the world health organization there is um a kenyan who was the 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 latest leaders nomination there is a i'm not going to mention names but you'll check it out i don't know if you know there is a kenyan lady who was nominated and every other time i've even a lecturer who has ever been nominated to be sitting at the round tables i'm not saying just for world health organization but other organizations like uh World Food Program, uh, other organizations like United Nations, um, so many other organizations around the world globally. So um, we have a big percentage of men, and sometimes because you're just a woman, and especially how we Africans view, view the have the gender inequalities, whereby woman is lesser than the man. Um, not everyone who, who views that, but a bigger percentage of us and cultural beliefs, they put us in a place where we are lesser. But I, I, I want to speak to fellow women in science or who had spat in science and I would like, this should not be a limit because when you do your thing, you present your papers, nothing is going to make you different from that man who is in science. So you have equal opportunities. Yeah, they say um, not really equal because maybe sometimes of the nature and biological differences that sometimes you're going to have a, a maternity leave and such, but I don't believe in, in that because yeah, as much as you're going to have maybe your three months off, it's not like you're, you're, you're going to to be grounded, you're going to eventually get back to your thing, if at all you plan. So I honestly feel this should not be a threat because it's been, we are overcoming it with time. Okay, I think that marks the end of the questions from my end. I'll just, uh, before Valerie joins again, uh, anything that you'd like to talk about that maybe you didn't ask, and you'd like to share with people? 
So just a quick one. Um, thank you for the interview, for the great questions, Dennis, and everyone. So um, I hope I answered them according to your expectations or even somewhere closer to your expectations, hopefully. So, and I hope it will help someone, you know. But um, one question that I would ask you, this information that you gather in terms of interviews, where do you, please tell me, say something about it a little bit. So, uh, mind. yeah, it's okay. Uh, the first thing I think that motivates, motivated us to start the interviews is you will see a very big difference between the child who wants to be a, a musician or a politician and the child who wants to be a scientist. This child who wants to be a musician has all the exposure they want. They know all the steps to follow. In fact, they start practicing very early. But there's no, there's nowhere for the child who wants to be a scientist to, to go to, you know, to have an, an expectation, an idea of what to expect. That's 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 one thing that we saw, and we hope to change that because by putting this on YouTube, and this being a you know a dot com generation as we call it, these these kids have smartphones. We, for us, we saw smartphones when we finished uh, high school. Some of them are smartphones in Standard E6. But we hope that when, you know, by seeing such interviews on social media, things like YouTube, they can get that motivation to be a scientist. The same way you used to see doctors and wanted to be a doctor, you used to see a pilot or an engineer and you wanted to be a pilot. I hope they can now see a scientist and say, okay, this is actually not boring. This is actually good. I want to be a scientist. So that's one. Number two is uh, there's that imbalance as well between good news and bad news. Bad news sells, but bad news is equals to bad mental health. And it's an unfair, uh, it's an unfair report on what is happening in the world. But when you hear about what scientists are doing, you realize that there's more to this world than the bad things that are happening. The more we interview people, the more we see scientists trying to rectify the problems that are facing society. You know, when you talk about antimicrobial resistance, uh, the news will report AMR is so bad, you know, we are losing these billions, the bacteria are getting strong, and they'll stop at that. But you talk to a scientist and you, you realize, huh, someone is actually doing research to rectify AMR. Someone is concerned, someone who is smart is doing something about AMR. And that gives you hope. And also it gives you motivation to also do something to change the world. Because you can see scientists are having a fulfilling career by changing the world, addressing the problems that the world is facing. So what about me? That means I can also do something about it. I can look at the problems that the world are facing and, you know, get some inspiration to do something. So we hope by telling people the story of scientists, we can give people not just the motivation, but a pathway for them to solve the world's problems. When they hear about how someone went from undergraduate, you know, to postgraduate, how they got their first job, how they got subsequent jobs, it gives people a clearer path than, you know, someone who is just reading, not knowing after all this theory, where am I going? What am I going to do? So we hope that will inspire the not only our current generations, but also future generations. Some of our previous interviews are on, are on YouTube. Uh, I think Valar will share the, 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 the channels with you so that you can view some of them. And you will see that you have actually performed quite well <laughs> because you'll have a reference point with the interviews from other scientists. Uh, I don't know if Valar is ready to come back in. You're doing quite a good job as Valerie comes in. So keep on the good work. Maybe this is going to help some other people elsewhere. Yeah, it is, with no doubt, going to to uplift um, a kids or um, someone's aspirations and maybe keep them going. Maybe they were almost giving up. So keep keep at that. Hold on to that. And you, you need to have the right... Um, 
one final message that I can tell them is that you just need to have the right attitude, positive attitude. And like my current mentor, um, the mentor who I have currently is also my supervisor at Hillary. Uh, he always tell, tells me that do extra, do extra. You don't just do what you're, you're needed to, just go extra and do that what everyone is not doing. That's how you're going to succeed. He tells me, study what is beyond, not in terms of class, what you're not given by the lecturer. So just do extra, have the right attitude, believe in God, have the right mentors and networks, and all will be well. Mental health issues, just about the right attitude and taking things as they come because God drives our lives, not us, and accepting his will because it's not us. So that's one final key message. Thank you.